630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Peter DeBoer fired as head coach of the San Jose Sharks on the ice tonight. Canadians lead the Senators 1-0. Six minutes left in the second period. Start of the third. Capitals up 2-1 on the Bruins. Chara and Wilson fought in that game. Flyers and Avalanche will start in half an hour. Clippers lead the Raptors 88-71 after three quarters. Kawhi Leonard with 18 points tonight. Oil Kings just getting underway at Rogers Place against Swift Current. Thank you so much for tuning in. Oilers and Wild tomorrow, 4.30 face-off show game at 6 here on 6.30. Ched, uh, really no Oilers news today. They did not practice. They traveled to Minnesota for the game tomorrow. You can travel to see the Oilers play in Las Vegas on Wednesday, February 26th. Here's how you win. You head to the contest page on 630Ched.com. Enter online to win two seats on the Air Canada Fan Flight, 630Ched.com, contest page, Air Canada Fan Flight. Those are the bullet points. You can text 780-496-0063. You can also call that number. This person says, I'm from Eastern Canada. I never heard about a 50-50 before moving to Alberta. We spend money on poutine instead of the 50-50 back east. Well, fair comment. Both rewarding in their own way. Well, I guess it, it's a more guaranteed reward if you eat poutine. You get the reward is, is in itself is eating poutine, the joy of eating poutine. However, no monetary reward. Well, it depends on how much you like poutine. This texture says, my father-in-law won over $200,000 in a 50-50 at work. My God, who does your father-in-law work for? Like the, the Apple? That's amazing. My father-in-law won over $200,000 in a work 50-50. That's amazing. That must must be a large company. I, I, seriously, like you you have to tell me more than that. That's a heck of a Christmas text bonus. That in. We, need, we need details. Was this a, a company that all the employees in the country went in on the 50-50? Or a large company here in in Alberta. That like what was it? How much was a ticket? That that is amazing. That 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 is all the text says. My father-in-law won over two hundred thousand dollars in a work fifty-fifty. I have to know more about that. If you're still listening, please. Like that is insane. Like if if we had a fifty-fifty here at Ched, it'd be like if well, somebody won eighty bucks. If that, yeah. Depends on who's all still in the building at this time. You and right? I should so. have a 50-50. <laughs> we, could, we could get Evan Cook from the news department to sell the tickets. I guess we'd have to give him a cut for the charity of his choice. Yeah. Uh, that's amazing. All right. The Oilers are uh, on a tough little run. Well, you know what? I, I think they're kind of who I might have thought they were during the, during the, the preseason. They started the year 8-2-1. and one. Excellent. I said it all along. Bank the points. Don't critique the wins too much. 
Uh, they've they've gone through a rougher patch here, 10-9-3 since then, 18-11-4 on the season. Dan from South Edmonton writing in. Hey, Reed, did you know the Oilers were 18-12-3 last year after 33 games? This year, 18-11-4. I would have never have guessed that the Oilers were that close. Furthermore, last year, the Oilers then proceeded to lose the next six games. Dan, I remember that well. Hitch took over, and the Oilers went 9-2-2. Two and two, And Koskinen played most of those games and was outstanding. It was his best run of the year. Then they uh, won that game in Colorado. Clefbaum got hurt. Russell got hurt, and yes, the season fell, fell apart. And I remember they had that five-game homestand. I think it was, th- I think it was two games before Christmas and three after, and they lost all five in regulation. Didn't get a point. So maybe you can draw a bit of a parallel to the to the homestand they just had. But yes, they're around this time last year. The Oilers looked like, well, maybe, maybe they'll be fighting for a wild card or third in the division, and it all went south. I get. A little bit of a different sense of this year's team. Uh, a, because the division's not doing well. As I've said, they're, they're still first. And, and yes, the Pacific has the lowest point total for a division leader. But first is first. Everybody still has to pass you. Or several teams have to pass you to knock you out of a playoff spot. And I think just because of, of at least the special teams, and I know last night was a bad night for the PK, at least for the special teams, I, I think they're better equipped to stay in it. And, and despite the fact that they aren't a deep team, I do think they're deeper than last year. Now, an injury or two to the wrong player, and you're, you're clearly going to go down the tubes. Um, but I, I'm still optimistic they can hang around. Here's the, here's the challenge for the Oilers. They can keep going back and forth like this, and, and they'll stay in the race. They'll, they'll at least stay in the race. But what's going to happen next? An extended stretch of good play or an extended stretch of bad play. Since they started 5-0, and they have not won three games in a row. They have also not lost three games in a row all season long. The, the entire season so far, they have not lost three games in a row. So if they can avoid that, then they're going to hang around. If they can put together another run where they go 5-2-1 and in eight games or... Six two and one in nine, or whatever, or another eleven game stretch where they go eight two and one like they started the season, then, then they're going to make the playoffs. But they can't give that good start back. Right now, they have not given the good start to the year back. They haven't built on it, but they haven't given it back, and that's why they're still hanging around. But I, I appreciate that text, and that's that's an excellent observation. At this time, around this time last year. We were saying, well, may, maybe they figured something out. Maybe they're going to be able to stick around, and then it was all gone. Because when they had bad stretches last year, they were bad stretches. I know I, I, I did. We did a part of a show on it a few weeks ago. They had a six-game losing streak. I think they had a couple fives. Uh, they had a stretch where they went one and six in seven games, and they only had two good parts of the year, really. So they they gave all their good parts of the season back, plus. They had additional ones, and that's why it really fell apart last year. 780-496-0063 is how to call and how to text. This portion of the show presented by Furnace Family. Experience the Furnace Family difference. Your furnace replacement specialist with over 500 five-star Google reviews. Call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. Another texter says, uh, Reed, you are at all the Oilers games. How many empty seats actually are there? 
well, there are there are a lot. Um, the I don't I don't count them as I'm sure you know. Uh, but I think the first two games of the year were sold out. A, a lot of sections in the upper deck are over half empty some nights. Last night wasn't an overly well attended game. Um, we talk, we've talked about this in the summer, and it's come up a few times. I, I, I've had several people tell me because of the economy that people haven't renewed, companies haven't renewed. And I also had people say to me, I'm just sick of watching a team that's out of it by this time of year sometimes, or that has Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, but nothing else, and they can't get into the playoffs. Some people have to have three-year commitments going into the new building. This is the fourth year. Some people just decided not to not to renew. As I've often said, I hesitate to say what was the case for each individual person. I'm just saying those are two common things I've heard from people who over the summer were considering not renewing their tickets. They either were tired of supporting, quite frankly, in terms of performance, one of the worst franchises in North America over the past 15 years, if not the worst, like the Oilers down there with the Browns and the 76ers, though they've gotten better, teams like that, or just simply saying, I'm not sure I and or my company have enough money to go to a game. And it's expensive to go to a pro sporting event in general. So those are the two types of things I've heard. Do I think the Oilers are concerned about it? Of course they do. Of course you want to sell out your inventory. Um, If the Oilers, you know, get into the playoffs, do I think some people are going to suck it up and buy tickets again? Yes, I do, because we've seen that happen here in the past. It is 7-15, an ongoing story, really now for the last two or three years, we're going to get to after the break, the possibility of a 10th CFL franchise. This has been talked about for a long time in the Maritimes. How realistic is it? They took a step forward this week, but is it a big enough step? We'll get the answers when we get back. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers, representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. Rogers Place is not even 10 minutes old, and it's already 2-0 for the Oil Kings, leading the Swift Current Broncos. Raptors in tough. The former Raptor Kawhi Leonard leading the LA Clippers into Toronto tonight. It is 95-75 for the Clippers. Wow. With uh, just eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. We will uh, catch up with Wes Walls between 7.30 and 8 tonight. He's an incredible story, now a color analyst for the Minnesota Wild. I'm sure many of you remember Wes playing for the Wild during the Jacques Lemaire era. He was a really good checking two-way kind of center who really established himself as uh, an NHLer a lot later into his career than, than most people would. He played in the NHL a bit, went to Europe for a few years, and came back and then really thrived with the Wild. He'll tell that story and also tell you what's been going on with that team. Uh, they have some injuries, but they've been doing well lately. 8-1-4 and four in their last 13 games are the Wild, so that's who the Oilers face tomorrow night. Okay, what's going on? Are we going to get a 10th CFL team? Are we going to get one in Halifax? The commission wants one. That region 
seems to want one. Well, let's get the story from Sarah Ritchie from Global News Halifax. Sarah, how are you doing? Great. Thanks so much for having me. It's nice to have you on the show again, and it's uh, it's good to get an update on this story here with, I guess, fair to say, still a potential 10th team of the Canadian Football League. What What's <laughs> developed here in the last 48 hours or so? Yeah, so the crucial vote has come before Halifax Council, um, and just about a week before we got a glimpse of the staff report that the council was going to be considering, and so we knew what was in it. Staff was recommending to council that they say some funding can go toward a stadium in Halifax, but with some conditions. And so those conditions are that uh, the stadium cannot be built at Shannon Park, which was the preferred location for the Schooners group. They really wanted that location down on the waterfront in Dartmouth. Um, So that's off the table. Uh, That had been a pretty contentious issue in the city for as long as this proponent had been talking about putting a stadium up. Um, There's been discussions over the years about what to do with that piece of land, and it's always come back to demand for uh, affordable housing in that particular area and so now this leaves the schooners with a conditional amount of money council will give them 20 million dollars upon completion of a stadium build but they can't build it at shannon park and they've got to figure out where they're going to get the rest of the funding okay well, that's not really a resolution, is it? <laughs> not at all. No, it's not at all a resolution. So it's sort of like we were, you know, kicking this around in the newsroom today. You can't call it a touchdown. It certainly isn't that. Um, but I guess, you know, they're driving down the field, if you wanted to use a football analogy. The next steps for Schooner Sports and Entertainment, obviously they need to figure out where this uh, football stadium could be. Um, but you know, Shannon Park, this location, it's its not the only one that they've ever considered. When I was first reporting on this more than two years ago now, uh, there were four different locations being considered around the city. One of them is uh, another location in Dartmouth that I know the developer was pretty thrilled about, and at the time we were actually being told was potentially the front runner. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they consider that again. It's in an area called Dartmouth Crossing, but it's uh, right across from a four-pad hockey arena and all-weather sports field. It's got transit um, transit going to that area already, which is one of city council's key conditions, that the area where they're building it has to already have transit because they were balking at the idea of how much they might have to pay to ensure that there was adequate transit in and out of that Shannon Park area. So it'll be interesting to see what the Schooners group comes up with in the next little while in terms of uh, what locations are on its list, um, how much all of that is going to cost. And then they've got to go to the province and make a formal request for funding there. Um, The Premier, Stephen McNeil, here in Nova Scotia has said already that he is not going to dip into general revenue funds for a football stadium in Halifax. So that leaves a couple of options open, and what's been floated is creating a tax on car rentals and then raising the tax on hotel rooms. So it's essentially like a tourism tax in Nova Scotia that that funding would be earmarked for the Schooners Group. Um, Again, not really clear how that funding formula would work or whether the province is even interested in going down that road. So a lot of questions still to be answered for the Schooners here. Oh, my goodness. Well, we've been through arena debates here in the city of Edmonton, so I all that stuff you're saying I'm like oh yes this uh, I'm not surprised it's going back and forth and there's a lot of uh, ideas but perhaps not a lot of commitments lately as this has been going on for the last couple years Sarah 
what, is there still a large appetite for CFL football with with the fan base, with the general public in Halifax and area? Like, are there still people saying we we got to get behind this? We need the ownership group and the levels of government to come through, or is that waning a little bit as this process has gone on? I think it's it would be fair to say that it's waning. Um, you know, I know that the schooners have been doing their own polling, which they say shows a good level of support, especially in Halifax, but in the rest of the region too, in the Maritimes. And they held a game here, you'll remember this year, uh, in Moncton, actually. They held a game, uh, so that's about three hours away from Halifax. And that's where they're thinking they'll play their first season if they get this team as they're building a stadium in Halifax. But I got to tell you, not very far out from that game, like a week or two weeks before, they they were still giving tickets away. They um, dropped the prices on tickets. They reconfigured an entire end zone, which had stadium seating to have just general seating. And so it wasn't a massive success, I would argue. Um, you know, it did sell out in the end. There were a lot of fans at the game, but I don't think you see a huge appetite for CFL football. And I don't think the schooners, frankly, have been doing anything to encourage that. Um, this has been three great cups. Since this group has said, we want a football team here in Halifax, there hasn't been a single Grey Cup party hosted by the Schooners group in Halifax. They've been at the Grey Cup, but they haven't been here in the city drumming up support. And what we saw recently in Halifax is the creation of a professional soccer team, the Halifax Wanderers. And that came from sort of a grassroots movement of fans who said, we really want this here. We're going to support it. And they pushed for it, and they were able to get you know funding secured for, albeit a much smaller, but a stadium in the downtown area of Halifax. Um, they call it a pop-up stadium. That team did pretty well this year. You know, the support around the city was really impressive. There were a lot of people wearing Wanderers gear as they walked to those games downtown. And so what you haven't seen in Halifax, I found, is is that sort of grassroots movement from the schooners to try to really drum up support for the game that they're trying to sell before they try to sell people on paying for a stadium. Well, that's very interesting, and it makes me wonder what what's going to happen here and I, and I you know I do get the sense there Randy Ambrosi wants this on his on his resume that that he got the 10th team in into the league but everything you're telling me is just that there there are, are so many question marks and it's tough right I mean like Canadians I, I still know there's a lot of Canadians who love the CFL but it's it's become more of a league that people watch on TV than, than maybe go to the games and there's all the challenges with the weather and the length of the season and all that kind of stuff. So, it, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm starting to feel a little a little pessimistic that this is that this is going to come through or, or certainly I don't feel like it's, from what you're telling me that it would be a slam dunk success if they do get the team going. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. You know, I think there's an appetite for pro sports here in Halifax. We just, in the last two years, have uh, have gotten a pro soccer team, like I mentioned. There's also a pro lacrosse team that just started playing this month. There's uh, a pro basketball team. You know, these. I'm not saying these teams are doing uh, super well at this point. They're all relatively new, and it's not clear necessarily how long they'll stick around. But I think there's an appetite for pro sports in Halifax. I wouldn't want to suggest that there isn't. But, you know, I'm not really 
understanding where the schooners are in all of this because they don't see them. They're not visible in the community. They're not, um, you know, they're not trying to get people out to events and that kind of thing. I talked with Anthony LeBlanc. He's one of the proponents of this uh, project. And I talked with him back in, uh, well, it would have been in the summertime when we were seeing in Halifax thousands of people crowding around this big outdoor TV screen where they were watching uh, the Raptors games. They were watching the Raptors playoff run and they were calling it Jurassic Park East. Um, I talked to Anthony and said, look, like, what are you guys going to do to drum up support? And he said, what you saw with Jurassic Park East, we're going to do something like that. The whole CFL season has come and gone and it never happened. So I think there's a lot of questions about really what they're doing. I know they have a lot of work to do in the, in the background and all of the technical aspects of building a stadium and where do you put it and where are you getting the funding, all of that stuff. But without the community being really on board and, and I'm not really getting the sense that the community is really on board here, I'm not sure how far this goes. Okay. Well, we appreciate the update. I, I do hope that, that this happens. I mean, this has been discussed for what at least 40 years about getting a team, a team yeah. in the maritime so it's kind of a it's kind of an ongoing story or something that is always simmering in the background to some extent and it's heated up here the last the last three years but i guess not maybe not quite where we need it yet sarah thanks for the update i'm sure we'll talk again on this really appreciate you making time for us thanks so much sarah ritchie from global halifax west walls on the wild the oilers next opponent when we get back Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers, representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. Clippers leading the Raptors 110-88 with a minute to go. Kawhi will win in his return to Toronto. Capitals up 3-2 on Boston with six minutes left. Pasternak is 26th of the year for the Bruins. There was a fight in that game between Zdeno Chara and Tom Wilson. Canadians up 1-0 on the Senators. That is after two. Just getting underway, the Flyers and the Avalanche. Oil Kings lead Swift 2-0 after the first at Rogers Place. Oilers, Minnesota tomorrow on 6.30. Chad, 4.30 faceoff show. The game will start at 6. Current broadcaster for the Minnesota Wild on Fox Sports North and a longtime player for the team, Wes Walls. Wes, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Man, it is great to have you on the show. Uh, of course, uh, well, you're an Alberta boy originally. I mean, hockey kind of takes you everywhere, but you got those Alberta roots, don't you? I, I certainly do. My uh, Born and raised in Calgary and... Uh, my mom and dad still live in um, in northeast uh, northeast Calgary, and get a chance to, to see them a couple times a year when we tra- travel back and forth. We have a summer place out in British Columbia, so when the kids get out of school here in Minnesota, we always uh, drag our trailer through Calgary, visit mom and dad for for a few days. But uh, oh yeah, grew up in Calgary and uh, was spent many many nights in uh, in my basement going to bed, listening to Peter Marr. Uh, tell us stories about the Edmonton Oilers beating the Calgary Flames in my bed when I was 
when I was a young boy. Yep. Well, the the, the Oilers were good. The Flames were pretty good too. Uh, two of the best teams they in the league. Good, yeah. Same division, same province. Uh, and I mean, you're of that age where you would have remembered the WHA teams joining in, and then Atlanta becoming the Calgary Flames and the rivalry heating up. I mean, that would have probably fueled a lot of your uh, teen years as a fan and as a hockey viewer. Well, I, I mean, watched a lot of hockey as a, as a young boy, and uh, there weren't many, many times uh, when the Oilers were playing the Flames where I was always happy after the game uh, just because I was always a Calgary Flames fan. And um, But we got you one year. Uh, we got you one year uh, when uh, I just still remember Steve Smith banking off the back of Grant Fuhr that year, and I believe that was the same year that the, the uh, Oilers went on or the Flames went on to win the Stanley Cup. I believe that was in 89, and I think that was the first time in – forever the wild or the uh, the flames were able to get by the oilers so that was something as a as a child that uh, that will always stick with me for sure but some of those battles were 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 epic unbelievable yeah absolutely and of course you got to play for the calgary flames but wes you know i really remember you uh during a, an eight-year stretch with with the minnesota wild and there are there are so many paths to, to to pro hockey. I mean, the the McDavid's of the world get a lot of the attention, but unless you're that high draft pick, you, you've probably had a story. You've probably had setbacks along the way, or it's been a winding path. And I, I just think you're a great example of that, Wes, because you had played in the NHL and then you played a few seasons in Europe, and then you joined the Minnesota Wilds. Just take me through that kind of decision to go overseas and then eventually finding your way back to the NHL? Well, I was uh, drafted by the Bruins. I was probably six years, well, I was six years into my my pro career. And, and at that point, I had played probably 160 games in the NHL and maybe 250 games in the minors. So more, more in the minors than in the NHL. And um, I was in Detroit at the time, and during the playoffs when the, when the Red Wings were really, really good, and I was one of the extra players, didn't really get a chance to play. But um, the guy from Switzerland come over and it watched me practice and play a few games uh, the year before and asked me if I'd be interested in going over to Switzerland um, to play on a one-year deal. And the, the money was a lot a lot better tax-free than what I was going to be making in the minors anyway. Um, so, And at that point, I had two children and my wife was pregnant with our third and uh, I'm just I was just so tired of traveling so I said Hannah let's go over to Switzerland for one year and uh, we did and uh, one year ended up turning into four years because we had such a great experience um, over there in Switzerland and uh, um, I you know I wasn't even really thinking about coming back to the NHL at all I, I knew there were two new NHL teams that were going to expand into the NHL Columbus Blue Jackets and Minnesota Wild in the year 2000 and uh, but I had quietly agreed to an extension with Lugano one of the big teams in Switzerland to a four-year deal just a verbal agreement this is while I'm playing in my my, my during the season that's kind of how it works over there um, then the summer came I had verbally agreed to 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 my deal um, NHL expanded. Doug Risebrow reached out to me, who was the assistant general manager, actually, when I played for the Flames there for a couple of years in the mid-'90s. And um, apparently he liked my game. And um, at, at the time, Pierre Paget was one of the uh, was one of the coaches in Ombre in Switzerland. And he was kind of a consultant for the Minnesota Wild and working for Doug Risebrow. And I think Doug reached out to Pierre Paget and said, who's the best player in Switzerland right now? And 
Pierre brought up my name, and uh, Doug reached out to me, gave me an opportunity, um, and that's basically how I got back into the National Hockey League was expansion and um, just basically given another opportunity. At that time, I had three children, and, uh, you know, I'm 30 years old. as an expansion team, a great opportunity, and uh, um, without boring everyone with the details, uh, I, I just I wanted to make sure I, I did everything I possibly could um, to finish my career in one spot where my kids could go to school. And not only that, just be able to finish my career um, in the National Hockey League and um, actually have an impact in games. And, um, you know, my, the early part of my career when I played in the National Hockey League for any coach, anytime there was a player on the ice and I was on the ice, if, if the, the player I was playing against had more than 30 goals in the NHL or one 30-goal season, I had to race off the ice as quick as I can because I was such a liability defensively, or at least that's how I was always stapled and looked at and and stigmatized and it kind of always drove me nuts because I always thought I was gave myself credit for being better defensively than anyone ever gave me credit for and then all of a sudden this coach comes in Jock Lemaire um, who was known for you know playing defense ends up turning me into his checking center after being a big scorer in junior and all all, the, all those things and um, you know almost won a Selkie trophy one year which is kind of so it's kind of an amazing career and one um, for 17 years I'm proud of and I can promise you and I haven't done the homework but I don't think there's probably too many guys that have played 300 games in the minors, 200 games in Europe, and 600 games in the NHL. It was a it was a really windy road and uh, a lot of ups and downs, um, but uh, just I was able to persevere and uh, end up playing until I was 37, 38 years old. But uh, so it was a long ride and uh, one I'm proud of. You know, you got to write a book, right? I mean, just hearing all that. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know what? And I don't tell the story often. Uh, you know, we all have our own stories. Like, uh, you know, every you know every player's got kind of a. You're right. Like guys like Connor and and, and some of the best players in the world. They don't. Uh, they actually enjoy. They enjoy listening to some of our stories. You know, some of the third, fourth line guys that, you know, how you're battling and grinding. You know, up and down the minors, um, trying to figure out a way to to stay in the national. You know, not only play, but how do I stay? Anybody can play a few games, but I got to try to figure out how to stay in the National Hockey League and. Um, fortunately for me, when I came back over from Switzerland, I didn't really realize this at the time, but those four years in Switzerland, I became, I became just such a, so much of a better player. My skating improved, even though I was a, a good skater. I was an above average skater when I went over there, but playing on the big ice surface, uh, really stretched out my stride. And I, I, um, there was a ton of pressure on the imports over there, um, to score goals and and provide the offense, uh, you know, if the t- if the team wins over in Switzerland, the Swiss players are the best. If the team wins, if uh, if your team loses, the imports stink. That's kind of how the mantra was over there. So it it, it toughens you up mentally. Uh, you got to be ready to go every night, and there's a lot of pressure on the imports. And I and I was just a much better player when I came back when I was 30 years old, and uh, to be able to play for Jock Lemaire, one of the best coaches that's ever coached, um, I'll be I'll forever be grateful to to him for giving me the opportunity to be his checking center and, uh, um, you know, chase the best players in the world around the ice. Yeah, that's awesome. I I love how you tell that. Wes Walls joining us on Inside Sports as we get you ready for the Oilers and the Wild coming up tomorrow here on 630 Chad. Okay, uh, Mini, it it looked like it wasn't going to be a very good year, and now they only have one regulation loss in their last 13 games. Where did this turnaround come from, Wes? I have no clue. (laughs) <laughs> I, I got to tell you, when we were when we were one and six out of the gate, um, uh, we were walking out of the building in Montreal. I was up. I was. Um, I work for Fox Sports North, and I do some games up in um, up in the booth as well. Not all the games, but about half of the games. And 
I remember walking out of Montreal out of the building that night thinking to myself, I, the way we played and how things have been going with our goaltending, just everything. We had a tough time putting two, three passes in a row together. Our goaltending was bad. Um, not getting big saves. I, I, I didn't think we were going to get to five, six wins before Christmas time. That's how bad it was. And then, uh, I don't know. I really can't put my finger on it other than just to say something happened in the locker room. I know Miko Koivu had a closed door meeting. I'm not sure if it was after the, I think it was actually after the night before they played the Toronto Maple Leafs, lost that game and then actually stunk out the joint in Montreal. And, um, um, but came home, played a couple home games, and, and were able to win two in a row. I actually think one of them against the was against the Oilers. They beat them three nothing, and um, and then just kind of got the ball rolling from there. And um, they've just been out competing their opponent. Uh, they, you know, they don't have we don't have Connor McDavid or Leon Draisaitl. Uh, uh, we have Zach Parise. We have some guys that work hard and play hard, and uh, um, they've been winning their games because they've been out working their opponents um, up until well, maybe the last couple games they, they've been outclassed uh, last night we got to overtime against Anaheim and lost in a shootout but had no business even being in overtime so there's been a couple games here now with the Wild we have not played well so they're going to have to get back on track And um, and um, but it won't be easy having Miko Koivu out of the lineup right now and Jared Spurgeon who's arguably the Minnesota Wild's best defenseman a lot of people in Edmonton that are listening to this right now know him from a good Edmonton boy but uh, he's out and been out I think he's with a broken hand, so he's probably going to be another week or so. And then, uh, and then last night Eric Stahl went down. We're not sure um, exactly what the details are, but it's, we know for sure he probably won't play it, uh, tomorrow night against the Oilers. So it's been a it's been a bit of a roller coaster ride for the Wild so far this year. But they've been playing much better of late and getting uh, adequate goaltending as well, which is always important, as you know. Well, I got to ask you about the goaltending, uh, and you might have to help me here. Kapo Kakinen was that the young man last night? Yeah, Kak- yeah, Kakinen. Okay. Kapo Kakinen. Yeah, easy for you to say. We got to try to spit that one out on the air a few times. <laughs> That's right. It gets a little tricky. Gets a little tricky from time to time. But uh, yeah, he got the start last night. It was his first. Uh, uh, it was his first home start here. He's um, he was drafted in the fourth round here three four years ago. Been playing in the minors and putting up some good numbers and uh, won his first two games NHL games on the road just recently out in Florida. Played really really good. Um, you know, I, I thought he was again. He was solid again. Uh, last night, uh, after giving up, uh, you know, two goals or down two nothing early, but I would not be surprised if Alex Daylock gets the gets the start um, tomorrow night. Devin Dubnik's been out of the lineup uh, for personal reasons. His wife is dealing with some fairly significant, from what I understand, health issues that he's trying to get figured out um, from different doctors all over the world to figure out what's going on. So we hope and pray that everything's okay with Devin and his family. But for right now, the 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 Nets pretty much uh, Alex Daylock and. Capo Kakinen. Okay, and I'm going to throw one more at you, Wes. Wes Walls joining us sure. on Inside Sports from Fox Sports North. Covers the Minnesota Wild. Used to play for the team like he was telling you. And uh, you were a great two-way player. You had to check. So what would you do against McDavid? How would you How would you limit him? <laughs> well, what would be the Wes Walls approach? <laughs> well, you know what, I... You know, I, I could skate with when I was playing. When I was playing, I, you know, Mike Medano was probably I could skate with anybody in the NHL. That was never never a problem. But Connor's even <laughs> Connor would be a handful for even West Walls, chasing him around, being able to to, to keep up with him. Um, one of the things that when I talk to you know people, they ask me when you're playing against the best players in the world, what's one of the things that's the most important thing? And I used to always come back to because because I was a scorer and in junior, I wasn't so much at the NHL level. 
Um, but, it, you know, I understand how scorers think. And if they get off, if they, if they get off and they score early, man, your night's going to be tough. So we always made sure in Minnesota, whoever I happen to be playing with, um, we always made sure that we were ready to play at the start of the games. And, and, and I mean ready because we want whoever we're playing against, Sackick, uh, Forsberg, Madano, it didn't matter who it was going to be. Just make sure you're ready because sometimes stars will even go away if they think it's going to be tough. And uh, not all of them go away. Most of them don't, but some of them do. And uh, I'm not saying Connor McDavid would ever go away because I don't think he, he would, but he's a, um, he's a handful. And, uh, you know, I would just, it, you know, it would be really hard shutting that guy down. There's not many Connor McDavid's, and um, he's an amazing talent. You guys get to watch him night in, night out. Um, I get to do the broadcast tomorrow night and, and be up in the press box and look down and watch 97 flying around. It's, uh, um, we all marvel at him, and I know all the players around the National Hockey League talk about some of the things that he can do. I spent uh, Mike Modano as part of our uh, uh, our group here in, in Minnesota, and I had spent some time with Mike Modano today, and we had to drive out to an event, and I was talking to him actually about Connor McDavid because their their games kind of are very similar, the way they skate. And uh, he, even Mike Modano said, man, that's that's not even close to me. That's another level. So you got Mike Madano who's a Hall of Famer, one of the best players that's ever played, um, telling me that that's even another level to where he's at, Connor McDavid. So we all marvel at him, and you guys get to watch it every night. And um, so we're excited about uh, having the Oilers in here uh, tomorrow night. Wes, this was great to talk to you. Thanks for sharing some memories on your career and giving us an update on the Minnesota Wild. I hope we can do this again. Have a great call tomorrow. Yeah, no problem. Thank you very much. Wes Walls, Fox Sports North, former player for the Minnesota Wild. Quite a journey he outlined for you. Great to have Wes on the show. You can text 780-496-0063. I want to catch up on a couple of messages that have come in. A final look at the scoreboard as well. Inside Sports on 630 Ched. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers. Representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. VR Greg texting in. He says, Reed, I'm from the East Coast. I visit every year. The healthcare system is hurting down there. Thousands of people without doctors in the province, so no chance the government could justify putting cash into a CFL team in Halifax. I think a team there would do okay, but as your guest said, there are pro teams there now, so it'll get tougher if they don't get moving. I would love to go to a game while I'm there. It's a great town. That is uh, VR Greg. Half an hour ago, we had Sarah Ritchie on the show, a really good guest out of Global Halifax, who has kept us informed on what is going on with a potential 10th CFL team, and we keep calling it a uh, potential team. And as you said, they may have to play somewhere other than Halifax their first year and then move once a stadium is done. But uh, we lived it in Edmonton, and uh, they're going through some of it in Calgary now. It's always a long process and uh, a tough debate to get something like that done. Jared writes in, he says, Reed, last night I watched an episode of Three's Company, and Chrissy made a reference to the great baseball player Willie Stargell in conversation with Jack. Do you know what she called him? Willie Star Trek. I never laughed so hard in my life. Sir. Well, Spock. Unfortunately, Starfleet Order 104, Section B leaves me no alternative. Paragraph 1A clearly states... To blazes with regulations, you can't let him take command when you know he's wrong. That's right, McCoy, you tell him. (laughs) 
Name the Star... Or that should have been our trivia. Name the Star Trek episode. Ooh. Somebody would have got it. I know one of the 14 listeners to Inside Sports would know what Star Trek episode that is from. I don't want to say. I want, we only got like three minutes left in the show. Somebody's going to text it in which one it is. I have complete faith. Uh, this texture says the Atlantic schooners uh, at the Grey Cups were fabulous. Maybe they have the wrong backers behind it. Do they need a wild Bill Hunter type? And uh, another texture says great conversation with Wes Walls. Well, we appreciate that. That was cool to have Wes on the show. There's so many unique journeys to the NHL, and uh, Wes absolutely fits the bill. Some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, bringing down South Comfort Food to Edmonton with their creative take on Southern Classics, spun with a modern twist. Get them online, North Chicken. YEG.com. Peter DeBoer has been fired as head coach of the San Jose Sharks. He was there about, uh, well, four seasons plus the first 30 some games of this year. They're winless in five, including losses of 7 1 and 5 1 to the two Florida teams on the weekend. They are sixth in the Pacific Division, 15, 16, and two, five points out of a wild card spot in the West. Raptors lose. 112-92 to the Clippers. Kawhi Leonard, 23 points. Siakam, 24 for the Raptors. Powell had 22. Oil Kings lead the Broncos 2-0 early second period. Avalanche up 1-0 on the Flyers early. The Capitals beat the Bruins 3-2. Wilson and Chara fought in that game. Halfway through the third, the Canadians are up 2-1 on the Senators. Uh, reports that the Blue Jays have agreed to a $24 million two-year contract with right-handed pitcher Tanner Rourke. He turned 33 in October, 10-10 and last year, 4.35 ERA, 31 starts for Cincinnati and Oakland. Oakland acquired him at the trade deadline for his career. He's 74-64 and 64 with a 3.71 ERA. Well, should we just tell people? I don't want I don't Do want it. people to go into their evening not knowing what Star Trek episode that's from. We've got a minute left. I found a I just found a it's an eleven minute video of great lines by Bones McCoy. That was from the Doomsday Machine. Ooh. Yeah, some guy like took over as captain by the looks of it. I've probably seen that at some point. There was a rock album named a Doomsday Machine by somebody. I can't remember who it was though. <laughs> All right. Welcome to Incomplete Trivia with yeah, Reed exactly. Kelly. <laughs> we kind of know stuff. Not really. I'll tell you what I do know. Dave Campbell's the producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy, the studio operator tonight. 4.30 face-off show tomorrow. Game at 6 as the Oilers try to get back into the win column. They'll be taking on the uh, injury-riddled Minnesota Wild. You heard uh, Koivu not going to go. Eric Stahl likely not to play and Devin Dubnik has left the team for a personal reason. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for listening. Adler's next. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.